um, want to get into the, uh, the message today. There was a verse that I read last week that I'm going to reread again today. If you remember last week, I was talking about the fact that we that are believers in Jesus, we are leaders in the body of Christ. We are leaders in the world. And I was calling all of you to be uh, better leaders. And, um, but that, that you are the ones who are to be leaders and um, ministering the gospel wherever you go. Um, too often we put all of the, the, the onus on the pastor, uh, the worship pastor, the care pastor, the youth pastor, the children's pastor. Um, but our job as ministers is actually to equip you for the work of the ministry. So let me reread that portion of scripture, and then I'm going to read a few more verses to set up where we're going this morning. It was Ephesians chapter 4. Paul said, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But their responsibility is to equip uncommon church to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this is going to continue until we all come into such unity in our faith. So circle that in your brain faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will become mature in the Lord. Circle the word mature. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So there is a standard that Christ has. That it's our job to live up to, not lower that standard to what we're comfortable with. Verse 14, amen, from Vicky. Then we will no longer be immature. Circle the word immature, like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever they actually sound like the truth. Now, this year, Josie and I uh, would have been in ministry for 25 years. Um, we got married 25 years ago next two, two weeks, August 10th. And um, we, that was the beginning of our um, ministry was as youth pastors 25 years ago. So I've been in ministry now 25 years. And in these 25 years, I never, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, I never thought I would hear so many lies in the church that actually sound like truth as I do today. I'm shocked at how far the slide rule has fallen in 25 years. Lies about what is sin and whether or not God even approves of or does not approve of sin according to his standard. Lies about who God is, his very character and nature and, and the way that God has operated for thousands and thousands of years. We're trying to change that in the last 20 years. The, the lies about the power of God and the kingdom of God. Lies about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lies about heterosexual sin. Lies Lies about homosexual sin. Lies that are so clever, they actually sound like the truth. And many people in the church as a group believe these lies. So here's the problem. We've got so many people that believe the lies. If everybody believes it, surely the crowd has it right. Unless you ask the crowd outside of Pontius Pilate's house that morning and when they were crying out for Barabbas to be crucified instead of Jesus, uh, Jesus to be crucified instead of Barabbas. You can't always trust the crowd. And did you ever notice that we're supposed to be growing in our, what, faith and knowledge about Jesus? We're supposed to be growing to become more mature in our faith and our knowledge about Jesus. So I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I growing right now in this season? Am I growing to be more like Christ? Am I more like Christ today than I was yesterday? And that is to equip us to do the work of the ministry. So am I doing the work of the ministry more now this Sunday than I was last Sunday? Well, if not, let's go back and look at verse 14. It's immature children that don't grow strong in their faith. It's 
immature people in faith that can easily get tossed around by every wind of lies, by every storm of lies. It's like a small boat just getting tossed around in the ocean when there's no anchor. And what Paul is saying is faith is the anchor. When boats come and go in and out of the harbor, they will put out these buoys that are tied with huge chains to concrete blocks on the floor of the ocean. That buoy might move around a little bit, but it's not going anywhere because it is chained to a very strong foundation. Our faith is an anchor that holds us to the kingdom of God, to the word of God. And when we have that anchor, it gives us hope. So therefore, our faith actually gives us hope no matter what storm we might face. In Hebrews chapter 6, the writer of Hebrews was talking about the faith of Abraham. And I don't have time to read all of that story at the beginning, but he's talking about the fact that Abraham believed God's promises that were spoken over his life. But then he says this in verse 18. God has given both his promise and his oath, which is his word, these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, I don't know about you, but I have fled to the Lord for refuge, and I have a great confidence. I have a great hope. And as we hold on to this hope that lies before us, this hope is what? A strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Now there is so much to unpack in this verse that we don't really have time to do, but I want you to maybe take some notes or go back and watch this uh, sermon again with a notepad on YouTube and just hit the space bar and write some of these things down. When we have faith in God, it brings us hope. And that hope, that faith, is an anchor that keeps us from being tossed around by the ways of this world. Faith is the anchor. But then did you also notice that faith opens a way through the curtain into the very presence of God? Faith is how we access the presence of God. Faith is how we access the power of God. Faith is how the supernatural power of God becomes released on earth as it is in heaven. Let me change the analogy from the anchor to this. Faith is like a lightning rod that says, I need heaven to move right here. Faith is that place where heaven touches earth. Everything is hinging on the fact of faith because we can't get saved. We can't become believers in Jesus. We can't receive the gift of eternal life but by faith. Nobody gets healed in their body or healed in their mind or, or delivered from demonic oppression or set free from an addiction except by faith in Jesus. Faith is what opens up the heavens to touch the earth. There's a YouTube, well, let me explain how I see all these YouTube. You ever notice how the algorithms work on YouTube? You might search for one thing, like right now I've got a, a problem in my sprinkler system in my yard. So the other day I was like, how do you trace a bad sprinkler valve? Now when I open YouTube, it's like everything having to do with my entire yard forever because they think that's all I want to see right now. No, I had one question and you answered it. Thank you very much. When Josie and I retire, we're going to buy a sailboat and sail around the Mediterranean. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Woo-hoo, my wife says. So on and off over the years, whenever I get the retirement itch, 
I look at sailing videos in the Mediterranean to see what that's going to look like and kind of just dream and imagine and see what kind of boat we want. So we want a Leopard 42, but the point is, when they get to a new harbor, a new anchorage, they throw out the hook. They throw out the anchor. And that anchor gets dug down deep. But here's the funny thing. They're in 30, 40 feet of water. They can't see the anchor. So one of the, the husband or wife in our relationship, it's probably going to end up being me, um, puts on a, a snorkel mask and they have to dive down on the anchor and they will have to see if the anchor is set into the sand. Here's the thing. When the storm hits, you can't see the anchor. Like when it's dark and cloudy and rainy and there's storm and wind and waves banging, you can't see the anchor. But you just have to know by faith that it's there. Forget all the analogies. Now we're just going to read some scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Faith makes something real that we're hoping for in prayer, and it's a confident hope. That works. Thanks, guys. You can't, um, a lawyer can't enter into a uh, court case with evidence that's fake. Like, and a lawyer can't be like, Your Honor, here is our evidence that my client didn't do it. And the, the judge is like, Okay, you just handed me an empty Ziploc bag. You're like, well, just trust me, Your Honor, it's in there. It's unseen, but it's, it's there. This is the evidence that sets my client free. But what the scripture is saying is, faith is real. Faith is tangible. You can't see it, but it is absolutely real and tangible. And that is where our hope comes from. It's in the unseen world. Because here's the problem. We like to see with our eyes. We like to touch with our hands. And we're like Thomas. Lord, I'll only believe if I can stick my finger in your side. And Jesus said, yeah, but Uncommon Church is going to be rewarded for their faith in what they don't see. If you go on to the book of Hebrews, um, the writer of Hebrews gives all these great stories of faith from, uh, of course, from um, Abraham, he finishes that story. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, I said Sarah, uh, Joseph, Moses, but then look in verse 6 of chapter 11. It is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who comes to the Lord must believe that God exists, even though you can't see him. You're doing it by faith. But look what he'll do. He will reward those who sincerely seek him. God rewards people of faith. God rewards those that are seeking him. And it is impossible to please God unless we live by faith. And I know a lot of Christians, well, I know a lot of church attenders that live their life with no faith. Going to church is a part of their culture because we live in Texas, but they do not live their life by faith. And in the church, I know people that are trying to please God, but they're not living a lifestyle of faith. So if you think about your computer or your phone or your iPad, it has a base operating system. But for too many churchgoers, our base operating system is fear. Our base operating system is unbelief or sin 
or human understanding. It's not faith, ergo, we're not pleasing God in the way we live. Now, let me clarify. I'm, this is not to shame anyone. Some people would be like, I knew it. God hates me. Be- no, God loves you. He's crazy about you. He died on a cross for you. He, God delights in you no matter what you do. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful and he loves us. But when our default mode of operation does not have faith, we displease him. It's kind of like this. When I was 16, and I mean the day I turned 16, I got my driver's license. And my um, stepfather told me, we're changing insurance companies because we got a lower rate when we added a 16-year-old. So that doesn't take place for another couple of days. Basically, be very, very, very careful for the next few days while you're driving. I took the keys to the car, and that very night... I was going, I don't know how many miles an hour over the speed limit, around a turn, at night, in the dark, in the rain. I took our brand new Acura off of an embankment. I rolled it five or six times down into a creek bed and landed upside down in the creek. I knew that my parents loved me but I knew that I had displeased my parents. Does that make sense? When we live the Christian life apart from faith, God loves us, but he is displeased with the way that we're living our lives. But do you know that we have the ability to make God smile? We have the ability to live our life in such a way that it pleases God. We can give him a smile Please don't misunderstand me. God doesn't need anything, but we can please him by the way we live if we choose to live a life of faith. Another portion of scripture I don't really have time to unpack, but I would love for you to reread or or, or do some homework. It's Luke chapter 18. Jesus was telling a parable about a widow and her persistence when she was asking a judge for justice. And Jesus finishes that parable by saying this in Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. I tell you, he, the judge, will grant justice to them quickly. But then look at how he flips the script. When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Jesus is saying, when I return, will I find anybody full of faith? The funny thing is, Jesus wasn't concerned if he would find big churches. He wasn't concerned if he'd find a fire worship playlist on Spotify. He wasn't concerned if he'd find you know, Christian books or, or, or Christian celebrity pastors. He was concerned, am I going to find anybody on the earth that lives by faith? Did you notice in the Gospels when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, oftentimes Jesus is just walking along and he'll stop dead in his tracks and he'll look and see somebody living by faith and it's their faith that impressed him. There's things that we can do that will stop Jesus in his tracks and go, you guys see what I'm seeing? I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. So to finish this little subpoint, Jesus can't possibly love you any more than he already does, but we can touch his heart. We can make him smile if we live by faith. So if faith is something that can stop Jesus, get in his tracks and smile, faith matters. And we should take it extremely seriously. Faith should be our normal operating system. 
When you turn us on in the morning and give us coffee, we should boot up to faith. It should be abnormal if we live our lives in such a way that we're not responding in faith. It should be abnormal if we need a miracle that we're not believing by faith in God. To live a life that's so trusting in our money. We put more faith in our career. We put faith in our retirement fund. We put faith in our talents. We even put faith in our family. We put faith in ourselves. But when the stuff hits the fan, our faith is not actually in God. It's in the things of this world. That's like buying a powerful muscle car and then leaving it in the garage and never driving it. It's not what it was created for. You were created to live by faith. Faith is how we should live out our everyday life. Faith is the default operating system of our marriage. Faith is how we raise our children. Faith is how we look at our money. Faith is how we even look at our, 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 our career. Faith is how we look at our health, that our faith is in God. Let me move on for time. Let me contrast faith and unbelief. See, we said already that faith is an unseen substance. So faith operates in the unseen world, but unbelief operates in the seen world. Faith is an unseen anchor of our soul, but we can't really see the anchor once it goes down on the hook. And especially when you're in a storm, you can't see the anchor. Faith is this unseen hook into the bedrock that no matter what happens in your life, when the waves of COVID, when the waves of fear, when the waves of addiction, when the waves of the economy and politics are pounding against us, we're up there just bobbing around like, praise the Lord, God is good, I'm happy. And people look at you like, what is wrong with you? And you're like, oh, I have an unseen anchor. I'm anchored to Jesus. And oftentimes I'll see people like posing as Christians, but when trouble comes, they end up freaking out, walking away, and they abandon their faith. Because it's what we see with our eyes that triggers unbelief. Everybody freaks out when our temperature spikes and we've got joints that are painful or stomach that's upset or a lump that we need to get checked out. People freak out when we get laid off from our job. People get freaked out by whoever's president or governor or mayor. But a Christian, our anchor is in the unseen world. So we live at peace. The problem is too often we feel more at peace with the seen world than we do with the unseen world. As long as there's money in my bank account, as long as I'm healthy, as long as I have a job, as long as I have a retirement fund, as long as I have a visa, as long as I have a spouse, as long as I have kids, as long as I have you know, uh, television to watch, Netflix, I'm at peace. Those are all seen things. Second Corinthians chapter five, Paul said, we live by faith not by sight. So we see things coming at us. We can touch things in our life. So therefore, we struggle with unbelief because our, our struggle is in the seen world, not the unseen world. Too often, we have unbelief in the unseen world because of what we can see in our own resources. But here's the thing. Our money is unreliable. In fact, the economy could crash like a house of cards. Our families, as wonderful as most of them are, 
could become unreliable. Our own human strength, everybody gets older and our strength fades. You can't trust in your own human strength. Your your mind, your intellect, your careers, the things that you trust in the most, that you put your faith in, all of that is sinking sand. The only true faith is in what is unseen. I've often used this analogy, and in fact, it's not a good analogy, that faith is like sitting in a chair. When you came in this morning and the ushers put the flashlight on your chair, by the way, the ushers don't use the flashlights before service because all the house lights are on and you can see the lights, the chairs. The only reason why you can't see a chair is because you came late for church. (laughs) And you choose to sit down in that chair, you're putting faith in that chair that it's gonna hold you up. But that's actually not faith because you can see the chair and you can see those steel legs. Faith is more like a trust fall where you just close your eyes and you fall and you hope that your friends at work or your friends at youth group or your friends in small group are gonna catch you because you can't see what's about to save you. Let me read it one more time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. One more time. We live by faith, not by sight. So faith is always gonna be an invitation from God to go deeper beyond what you can see, beyond what you can touch, beyond what you can feel. Literally, everything about the Christian life hinges on faith. We don't get saved without faith. Paul reminded the church in Ephesus, he said, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your doing, it is a gift from God. So we don't repent of our sin and ask Jesus to become the Lord of our heart except by faith. You can't see Jesus saving your soul. You can't see Jesus washing away your sin. You can't see Jesus taking you from being orphan to being royalty. But we have to believe by faith in the unseen world. There's a famous verse that sometimes we take a little bit out of context. Romans chapter one, Paul said this. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes by faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen to this in verse 17. For in it is the righteousness of God released from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous, uncommon church will live by faith. Uncommon church will live by faith in the unseen world. But I also want to just remind you that Paul wrote this letter to a church in Rome that was heavily persecuted. That to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ was a bold statement because Rome was literally killing Christians for sport. I remind you that Paul was imprisoned by the Romans and eventually murdered for his faith in Jesus. And he's saying, yeah, my faith is in the, my faith is not in Rome. My faith is not in the Roman authority, the, the, the Roman emperor, those that can kill me. For the believers in Rome under Nero, they would say, my faith is not in the Colosseum and in the gladiators and in the lions that are going to eat the Christians. My faith is in God. So let me ask you a question, a little, little test. Because sometimes people will go, okay, I'm, listen, dude, I'm new to this. I believe in Jesus, but how do I know if I'm living by faith? Let me give you a practical answer. You can do a little test of your heart to see if you're actually living by faith. Faith is a walk of obedience. So are you doing what Jesus has asked you to do? Because it takes faith 
to follow Jesus? Are you being obedient to do what Jesus has called you to do? And so often we get super critical and we examine ourselves and we try to quantify our faith. Well, do I have enough faith? Do I need more faith? Do they have more faith than me? Do I have less faith? I wish I had their faith. Listen, don't try to quantify your faith. Simply ask yourself this question. Am I doing what God's asked me to do? Because it takes great faith to obey God. And we look at the great men and women in the body of Christ over the last 2,000 years, and we try to quantify their faith. No, they were simply obedient to the very end. Are you dying to sin like he's asked you to do so that you can live for the Lord? Have you been baptized in water like he put it on your heart to do? Are you reading your Bible every day like you know you're supposed to do? Have you been involved in a, a you group, small group? Because the semester will be starting again in September. We really want you to get plugged in. Have you been through our growth track? A lot of you are new to our church, but dude, let me just tell you, we're not a good church to attend. We're not a good church to like watch. We're, a, we're the church that believes that every member is a minister of the gospel and that saved people serve people. So next Sunday is growth track one. We expect to see you there. If you want to just attend church, that's not what this church is for. So maybe God has called you to this church and he's asked you to take the growth track and get plugged in. Are you being obedient in the little things? Are you still smoking when God's asked you to stop? Are you still getting high when he's asked you to stop? Are you still having sex outside of the covenant of marriage when you know he's asked you to stop? Are you still getting drunk when you know he's asked you to stop? Are you still looking at porn when you know he's asked you to stop? Are you being obedient to the things that God's asked you to do? So don't try to quantify your faith. Just ask yourself, am I being obedient to the things he's asked me to do? Because the life of faith is a life of obedience. Let me just put a final bow because I always like to, I often like to give something for parents. Listen, mom and dad, the body of Christ, the church, we are only one generation away from extinction. So it is always our highest job is to teach faith to our children and our grandchildren. It is vital that we share faith with our kids, that we model faith and not hypocrisy. Not faith in a church, not faith in a church building, not faith in a church celebrity, faith in Jesus. And sometimes we equate faith with church. We equate faith with a church building. We equate faith with churchianity. But it's not anything to do with our feelings. Oh, I feel so good at that church. I feel so good in that worship time. I feel so good when he talks or she talks. Faith is a lot like marriage. It's choice, not a feeling. See, entertainment, books, movies, TV shows, music, it teaches us that love is a feeling that we get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Listen, in two weeks, I'll be married 25 years. There's a lot of warm, fuzzy feeling, but there's also a lot of choice. I choose to stay faithful to this marriage. Yes, because I love her and I do have all the crazy, warm, fuzzy feelings. But the crazy, warm, fuzzy, fuzzy feelings came because I made a choice. See, the two go together. Some people, 
hey, we haven't seen you in church in a while. Oh, yeah, pastor. I don't know. I just haven't really been feeling the Lord that close to me. Oh, okay. It's not about your feelings. It's about a decision, a choice to believe in God, to be obedient to him. There's an old school like 70s bumper sticker and then it was a song. And let me give you a simple definition of faith. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Hop up on your feet. What about you? Do you live your life by faith? In the unseen anchor? Or do you live by unbelief, ironically, in what you can see and feel and touch? Have you made the ultimate step of faith? Or you've asked God to forgive you of your sin? And by faith, you open the door to your heart to die to your life so that you can live for Jesus. Are you being obedient to the things that God's asked you to do? Is your anchor in the Lord Jesus or is your anchor in your money, your peace, your house, your career, your family, sin? Are you growing mature in your faith every day? Are you more like Jesus today than you were last Sunday? Are you ministering the gospel more now than you did a week ago? These are serious questions. Because sometimes people are like, how come we don't see miracles in the church? Because we live by fear and unbelief instead of faith. I double dog dare you to live by faith in the unseen anchor of your soul it will not move no matter what happens what storms might come you will be rock solid let's pray father in heaven so often we give in to unbelief we give in to the seen world we give in to popular opinion we believe the lies that are so clever they actually sound like truth. We believe what the world believes. We believe what everyone believes because we can see it. Lord, I pray that we as a people would develop such a faith, such a hunger, such a pursuit that it would be abnormal if we didn't respond to a situation in unbelief. Lord, I pray that we could spur one another on. We could encourage one another to really live a life of faith. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to convict us if there's things that we trust in more than you. If our faith is in something of this world more than in you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning or you're watching online, and you be honest with God and say, man, I, my, my faith has not been in the Lord and I haven't been obedient and I've been trusting in what I can see and not in the unseen love of God. Today is your day to repent. Today is your day to ask God to forgive you. Today is your day by faith to repent of your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you so that you could receive the gift of eternal life. If you're watching online and that's you, 
we wanna pray for you here in just a moment. If you're here in the building, I wanna pray for you. I'd like to know who I'm praying for. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, if you're here this morning and there's sin in your life that has separated you from God, if you're here this morning and you have not been living by faith in Jesus, if you're in the sound of my voice and you need to ask God to forgive you of sin and get right with him, today is your day. Now, this might be the first time that you've ever prayed a prayer like this, or maybe it's the first time in a long time because your heart has grown cold. Well, today is absolutely your day because you know what? God loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. I would like to know who I'm praying for when I lead this prayer. So if you're here this morning, even if you're home alone watching online, would you shoot your hand up real high and say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. Today, I wanna repent of my sin and ask Jesus to forgive me. I see your hand, is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high, good. What about you at home? Saw one person shoot their hand up and say, I'm gonna get right with God today. Today is your day. Right there in your apartment, in your living room, in your bedroom, shoot your hand up and say, I'm gonna get right with God today. And if you believe it in your heart, by faith, why don't we pray this prayer out loud? If you, if you believe it, why don't you help our friends out? Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. I put my faith in you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive that gift of eternal life by faith. Lord, help me to believe in the unseen anchor that my faith would be in you no matter what storms might come. My faith is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you say for the one person that got right with God today? Yeah, yeah, God, yeah, God, yeah, God. Listen, if you got right with God at home, we've got this Jesus wall over here, and these are light bulbs that were screwed in by people that got right with God. So what we wanna do is we wanna write your name on a light bulb and screw it into that wall. Would you text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244? You're gonna get an auto response form. Please fill that form out and click submit. If you're here in the, 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 the church today, reach into the seat back in front of you and grab one of those black connect cards. Fill it out. We also wanna screw in a light bulb for you. We wanna pray for you. Speaking of which, if you need prayer, I'd like the prayer team to come down to the altar. If, if there's sickness in your body, we're gonna believe God for healing. If there's pain, pain in your body, if, if, if there's a pain in your heart, if there's a decision coming up, if, 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 you, um, if there's any reason why you just need to take a minute or two and pray with somebody, that's what these men and women are here to do, is to pray for you and believe God. If you've been struggling in your faith, just be honest and be like, hey, I just need help to believe God, to obey God in all the little things, the unseen things. Would you pray for me? And we just want to take a moment or two and pray for you and encourage you. Everybody else, we get this opportunity, this moment to worship God, to lift our hearts, to lift our voices, to lift our hands, and to, it's like we're, we're reminding ourselves of our own faith in Jesus' name. Let's go.